0: So good to see you this morning. Glad you decided to join us today. We are in another episode of Let the Children Come. And it, this has been fun together, and today is no exception. You get a little history today and also uh, some encouragement today about who we are as a church and what it means to let the children come for us uh, as we invite them to the way Jesus does. Uh, I'm gonna begin in a way that's quite different than I usually do, I usually have an introduction, but point number one is my introduction. Point number one, what this did look like for VVCC. Let the children come. What did this look like for Verde Valley Christian Church? Because the message is about what it looks like for us now and what it looks like for us in our future. So a little bit of history. I want to make it a little personal in that uh, I knew a lady rather well who was uh, the only charter member of this church uh, when I arrived at the church. And uh, she was uh, a single gal who came out from Ohio to plant some seeds in the lives of children, particularly at a uh, Christian Indian School, as it was called in those days, and she invested in these children's lives. Soon, uh, a church began to form around that gathering. I got a little echo here going on if you wanna kinda hear that out. Um, And a church was formed, and that was 1967, okay? So this church, was incorporated in 1971, but it began as a group of people worshiping God and doing church together in 1967. Now, as you can imagine, in those early days, the, uh, the music was traditional hymns, but not exclusively so. If you knew Ruth Ann, you knew why, because she was all about investing in the children. And so she often led... Uh, In opening exercises, I grew up with opening exercises for Sunday school. And in opening exercises for Sunday school, there was music. And children's songs would be sung, and Ruth Ann would lead in those. In fact, when I arrived in 19... Oh, I'm not going to tell you that yet. Um, And so all I want to say is, at the very beginning, this church's DNA was such that they're strongly embracing Jesus' embrace of little children, and wanting to reach little children, even at its, at its inception. So, fast forward uh, a bunch of decades. Well, maybe not a bunch. And uh, the leadership of the church recognized their need to, again, uh, reorient according to that original DNA, to be more effective at reaching the next generation because their church, the Verde Valley Christian Church, was getting... Uh, older and there was only a handful of families attending as mostly retirees. So then in 1991, uh, they took the big risk of hiring this really young man who'd never been a senior preacher before. He'd been in ministry eight years and uh, just to let you know how long ago that was, here's a picture to show you how many things have changed. (laughs) Um, This was actually taken after we accepted the position and the church that we worked at before was sending us off. They had a big sheet cake. I don't know if you can see it, but they had palm trees representing Southern California where we came from and a bunch of cactuses representing where I was going and a little road going there and they were sending us off. And that was a, a great uh, celebration and also bittersweet as we're saying goodbye to all those people we knew and, and arriving at a church mostly filled with seniors. Little did we know how uh, filled with seniors it was because, you know, we had uh, Carissa who was four, Luke who was two, and on the first Sunday of the job when I was getting up to preach and even before then, Gina was going to, with Luke in hand to try to find the nursery and try to find the nursery. And they pointed her to the cry room behind the auditorium in a room with a window. And she was supposed to watch her own child through the window, watch the child, and kind of feel like she was participating. So the very first challenge we had in achieving the goal they wanted for me to achieve to reach the next generation was to start staffed nurseries. I find it fascinating that that was the first challenge then, and it's still our challenge today, that now we have three uh, rooms to staff in two services, and it's still like our our biggest challenge to keep those staff um, for two services, these three rooms. But praise the Lord, we have more children in our children's department than the entire church of Verde Valley Christian Church back in 1991. And... All of that is because some individuals, and, and Ruth Ann in particular, saw the value of planting seeds in little children. We're going to get back to that, that image at the end. Planting seeds in the life of a child. Powerful, powerful stuff. Now, Verde Valley Christian Church has gone through hundreds and hundreds of changes from 1967 to now, and I have seen hundreds and hundreds of changes in the time that I've spent here, which is weird. I've been a pastor of this church more than half my life. That's weird. Uh, But uh, okay. So Verde Valley Christian Church started before computers, Uh, Then came the internet, then came cell phones, then smartphones, then social media. We changed, let's back up again, from clip art mock-up newsletters to computer-generated communications, from mimeograph to Xerox to printers, from overhead projectors and transparencies to computer-generated projection and projection screens, from piano and organ and choirs to worship teams and bands, And what did we learn from all of this? Here on the screen is what we learned. There are two things that everybody hates, change and the way things are. True, isn't it? It's tough navigating change, it really is. And yet, change and adaptation is crucially important why because the changes ahead of us are going to be faster than the changes behind us With well, that scary thought let's pray and go home <laughs> no the apostle paul explained the absolute necessity of being uh, adapt adaptable and flexible and making changes and you don't expect in the Bible to find this, but you do find it there. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19-23, through 23, we read about the necessity of making these changes. He said, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew. To win the Jews, to those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So just so that I don't send somebody in the wrong direction here, and actually to make some corrections where most of America is confused on this, I want to say clearly, Paul did not change his morals or his message, but he radically changed his methods to reach people who were far from God. Why? Let's continue now. He says, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So right now I want to um, kind of reveal some things that are hard to see in English translations because in this passage that I just read, he uses a word that's real common in the Greek. It's the word hina, And it's translated in order that. But most English translations will make English read smoother by not translating it exactly the same every time. But the word hina occurs seven times in the paragraph I just read. Okay? So I want to highlight them by choosing one phrase that is a standard way of translating the word hina. And the standard way of translating it is in order that. So he's going to set up a statement, of, and then he's going to explain why he did it by using Hina, in order that. And another statement, in order that. And another statement, in order that. So I want to read those statements again, but not as a paragraph. Are you ready? In order that I might win more of them, that's verse 19. In order that he might win the Jews, that's verse 20. In order that I might win those under the law, verse 20 also. In order that I might win those outside the law, verse 21. In order that I might win the weak, verse 22. In order that by all means I might save some, that's verse 22. I do it all for the sake of the gospel in order that I may share with them in its blessings. He's explaining why he's willing to almost do backflips in flexibility, in adaptability, and change to select audiences so that he can win people to Christ. And he got it from Jesus. Jesus said things to undermine uh, the habitual pattern of being stuck with these traditions as if they're not changeable traditions that have been added to the unchanging method and adding layers and layers of human interpretations and traditions on top of things so that you hang on to the methods instead of the message and as a result you can't actually reach people with the message anymore because you're not getting through to the current culture. Birdie Valley Christian Church has experienced this on a number of levels and from the beginning... It's the select audience. With children, you're going to ch- adapt and change to reach that audience. With the select audience of adults, you're going to adapt and change to reach that audience. If you want them all together, you still have to adapt and change and reach in a different way. I was hired to reach the next generation because the truism is this. You're going to reach people plus or t- 10 years plus or minus your age more naturally. And so... We began to reach young families because I was a young family. All right? Catalog that in your heart and mind as we're strategically planning for our future. Okay. Not today. Our future. (laughs) Don't want to scare you. So to function as rescued rescuers, because that's who Christ has called us to be, to function as rescued rescuers, our purpose for life has to change. Our purpose for doing church has to align. Does that make sense? Because he has rescued us, and if we really understand Jesus' message, He's rescued us to follow him to be rescuers as he's a rescuer. I want to put it as simply as I can put it. So if you think you've come so that you can just get your sins forgiven and go to heaven and not change and not participate in following Jesus and rescuing others, what you've bought into is not theologically correct. He wants to transform you so that you become a rescued rescuer, that you begin to care for other people the way Jesus cares for other people. Why? So that you might save some. It's our jobs. It's our jobs as individuals. It's our jobs as a church. How do you get to the place where you actually want to do that? Well, that's where the gospel comes in. If the gospel touches your heart, it changes your purpose for life. I want to show you one verse just to get at that. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You seem unimpressed. (laughs) Jot this down, take a picture, whatever you need to, and just really chew on this. Memorize it if you're willing. Because as you get a hold of this, it changes your life. Because this is Christianity 101. He's died for you, absorbing your sins, rescuing you from your sins and changing your life so that once you're now alive by his spirit in your life because he has taken your sins away by his uh, act on the cross, you're filled up with the spirit, why? So that you can become a rescuer with a new life inside of you. You've taken the bread of life and you're offering the bread of life And you're able to do this, how? By the power of the Spirit, because now the good news is you become a person who's blessed, blessed to be a blessing, loved to love others. Get it? That this is the gospel. And if you are a cul-de-sac, you are blessed, but you're not blessing. You're soaking it in, but you're not putting it out. You're nothing but a stinking sponge that's sour on the sink. Right? It never gets squeezed out. I didn't have that in my notes. That came out of the days of long ago when you did this. Okay. Whoops. I'm quoting some other preacher, I'm sure. On the flip side of your... Line, or if you're using the digital outline on the bottom on question number two it reads a little confusing if I'm going to read it the way maybe I should have written it if it's still confusing good luck just do your best with question number two it's a good one how can Paul's adaptability and culturally sensitive approach this is how I wish I would have written it how can Paul's about adaptability and culturally sensitive approach help any church effectively reach the next generation for Christ? What hindrances might Paul spot in today's American churches where youth who used to come stopped coming altogether once they were old enough to choose for themselves? Here's my assumption. Paul understood what was the hedges of protection that were man-made interpretations that the Pharisees and scribes attached to the teaching of the Old Testament in such a way that they were making it harder for individuals to come to know God than the truth actually warranted. Jesus said things like, unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because their righteousness was now totally twisted up by their interpretation. All these hedges they put on the outside in an outside-in approach to, and here's how they really twisted it up because the Old Testament was never meant to be understood this way, to earn their approval and status before God. Even the Old Covenant and all the laws and the rituals and the things you had to do, none of those were merit-based. This Old Covenant was a mercy, grace, and these rituals all were temporary to point to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And with the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus, once it was fulfilled, Jesus was able to deliver to us something that was far better. Read the book of Hebrews. Far better that now we could be transformed not from the outside in and trying harder and coming before God over and over and over again, but from the inside out and with supernatural power. This is what Jesus came to give us so that we could truly be rescued from the inside out and become good people. And by becoming good people, Shining our light and showing the goodness of God, not because we're trying to earn our way into heaven, but because he has given us this rescue, and you need it too, and we need to take as many people as possible to heaven because we're trying to save as many as possible from judgment and hell, which is real. You can't get away from what Jesus believes and interpret the Bible your own way Okay, So Paul and Jesus, they're perfectly willing to make incredible adjustments and shifts and even fight the battle to try to get their people to now change. We've gone global with this thing. Now we need to go become rescuers in every culture. And the cultures are all messed up. And we can do this without changing our morals or changing our unchanging message. But we do have to change some methodology to remove the hedges. All this stuff that's been added that we don't realize is not gospel core, okay? What do you have to understand to answer this question? What's getting in the way? What's getting in the way of our young people? Why are they not coming back? Why are they not getting it? Well, you have to understand, number one, the unchanging message of the gospel. You have to then, God's unchanging holiness and his moral standards, you have to understand that too. And as to methodology, God moved from the outside-in methodology to an inside-out methodology when he moved from the temporary old covenant into the fulfilled new covenant. God Himself. Shifted messages without changing his morals. Get it? So you got to pull out what is cultural for Jews, and you're still left with this moral core, which Jesus held up and reinforced and taught us clearly. So if you ever get confused, just go back to the words of Jesus. We've got the moral core that is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Follow the apostles' teaching because they're explaining Jesus' moral core. So read the New Testament. Make sure you're always understanding the Old Testament in light of the New Testament Amen. because we are Christians following in the New Covenant, okay? After, ah, if, I'm going to get bogged down here. So let's just put on the next uh, quote as a way of putting a summary to it. <clears throat> Paul did not, change his morals or his message, but he radically changed his methods to reach people who were far from God. Jesus did this too, and when you do this kind of thing, you get attacked, not by the enemy, but you will get attacked there as well. You also get, quote-unquote, friendly fire from your own people, okay? Okay? That's the hard part about making changes. You get friendly fire from the people that don't like the changes that you're making and blah, 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 blah. But just understand the why we're making changes. The why is to reach the next generation. The why is to reach this particular pocket. The why is to reach people far from God. It's why we do what we do, okay? And what do we do? We reach people from wherever they are to help them take steps to where God wants them to be. And that's our mission Many church-going people don't know the Bible well enough to discern the difference between the good news Jesus brought and the man-made hedges of traditions that are huge hindrances to people. Jesus, then Paul, addressed these interpretive hindrances extensively. So here's a question before we get to uh, point two. Do we have a readiness like Paul's to change methods without compromising the unchanging gospel message. Do we have this readiness? I've been challenged for 33 years by people who don't like some of the things that we do because they don't like why we do it or they don't know why we do it. They just think that we're compromising in some way, but no, we're only changing some methodology. Let's agree on the why. Let's reach people. That's the why. So that's, that's where this is all at. So that's what this did look like at Verde Valley Christian Church. That's what this always looked like at Verde Valley Christian Church. And now let's talk about what this does look like now. So I have a question for you. I hope it's an easy one. Would you say that Verde Valley Christian Church has a welcoming, enthusiastic, authentic, energetic, and relevant worship experience to offer? I hope so. That's what we're trying to offer, not just to us people who have grown up with traditions of church a certain way, but for people who are experiencing church for the first time. We're trying to offer that. Now, if you like it, Don't get stuck there. Because all of a sudden, it's a tradition for you. The changes coming in front of us are rapid. We're always going to have to keep looking at how do we make this better? Is there a new new hindrance that's getting in the way of this pocket? How do we make this better? How do we reach more? What do we need to do? And I don't even know what those questions will look like. Right? But we've got to be willing to make the changes as they come and as we're trying to figure out what makes this better. What can we do better? We're always asking that question. That is a DNA issue. If you're not asking that question, you're not making the adaptations and flexible plans that we ought to be doing, right? So again, why must we change? This is Paul's answer. Uh, Review from what we already read, verse 22, so that by all possible means, I might save some. By all possible means. So when he says all possible means, he doesn't say, go ahead and go hang out with them and sin with them. No, you're not gonna change your morals. By all possible means, you're being as flexible as possible without sinning. Careful there. A lot of people are trying to reach sinners by sinning with them. Hello, you're compromising your morals. That's not how you do it. Learn what the morals and the high standards of Jesus are and live like Jesus. That's what we're talking about, okay? Here's another quote on the screen. We have to continue to work diligently to help people understand and perceive the same unchanging gospel message as relevant and desirable today and every day. Some people think of the gospel as only something about your past to get you saved to so get in heaven. No, the gospel is good news every day. The gospel is more grace today. Yes, we receive grace and we're saved. Then we got to live in the present tense so that we are being saved and transformed. And then we're anticipating as we're even smelling the smells. It's spaghetti, I can't wait. Okay, we're going to be saved. It's glory. I can't wait. And we anticipate this thing that's coming. There's a future tense of salvation as well. It's past, present, and future. And Paul uses all those tenses. If you only have the past tense of salvation, that's where you're banking on. You're missing the present tense where it's glorious today. It's wonderful today. I'm getting more grace today. He's walking with me today. I can't wait for tomorrow. Oh, what? trouble that comes what may it's okay I smell the glory right that's what we're talking about all right so point number one was what this did look like for VVCC point number two was what this does look like now and point number three is this hold your breath what we pray it will look like soon that word, word soon is what scares us huh soon all right Here's the quote on the screen. How can we more effectively reach children and their families? Great question. I'm so glad you asked. That's why we're doing this series, right? How can we more effectively reach children and their families? What are the types of changes required for a church to be more effective in reaching the next generation? As soon as I put the word more effective, because here's the thing. I actually know that... Those of us who are not the next generation anymore, we look around and think we're pretty effective. No, we've got to be more effective. What kind of changes are we willing to make to be more effective reaching the next generation? Okay? All right, in August, just five months ago, and since then, I've been consistently sharing not a whole bunch but consistently in certain circles and settings. And um, the fact that previous to August, for three months, we were working with consultants. And these consultants helped us come up with three really big strategic initiatives. And in August, to the volunteers in the event room, I shared how we're going to carry out these three strategic initiatives. And the vision I shared, is already needing to be reconstructed. We're already making changes to have a better vision than what I shared five months ago. So just, we're gonna get at that a little bit. Some shifting and adjusting already since five months ago? Actually, we better be ready. We got fast changes, and we gotta think with God. But I wanna say this. We already know what this looks like. We've been through it as a church over and over again. Do you remember this? On the screen. That's what our church was supposed to look like. And it was supposed to be on Broadway, in between Old Town and Clarkdale, we purchased the land, we put a million eight into the property, we had an architect, we drew it all up, this was the artist's rendition of what it would be, and God said, I got something far better than that, I'm going to give you something three times that size, and it's going to cost you a third of what it's going to cost you to do that one. And he pulled it off. And he gave us this place, three times the size. If we would have been there, we'd already be in trouble, space-wise, already, okay? But he gave us this complex, and that was sharing a vision 2007. Man, go, 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 give, give, give. And then we, like, pulled the carpet under, out from underneath this beautiful thing, and we're going to get into this warehouse in the ugly front, <laughs> right? <clears throat> and we said, we're not going to change the ugly. We're going to change the inside out, just like people. Inside out first, get rid of the ugly later. Okay? And our building even was an illustration of how that transformation works. And so it worked great. People walked into the building the first time. They see this building and go, whoa, I can't. Uh, what's it going to be like inside? And they open the door. It's like, wow, it's way better than I thought. It's like that is a great illustration. So, God has done this for us a bunch. Now, our consultants work with us. Here are the three initiatives. Those initiatives have not changed. It's how we implement them that is going through a reconstruction. So, here we go. Reminder. One, our strategic initiative, outreach task force team to vigorously and strategically pursue and reach people far from God in our unique mission field. Two, our discipleship task force team to help people take steps on a clear, simple, Jesus-following pathway, and three, our facilities task force team to fully utilize current and future facilities as a tool that enables initiatives one and two. Now, what's weird is the way I stated it in August, I thought we were stating exactly what we were going to do. But in looking at some of the discussions we've been having that the consultants kind of kicked us into new ways of thinking, our consultants uh, caused our to think outside of the box and we've been shifting in our way of thinking. And so now, our box, which is our footprint, we've even been shifting and, and playing with that a bit to actually to fully utilize current and future facilities as a tool that enables initiatives one and two more effectively, okay? So I'm gonna share with you where some of this thinking is going. Before I share it with you, know this. Every time I share stuff like this, this is in process, okay? This is not complete and completely developed. This is in process, this is conceptual all right but we're at a stage now where we're ready to start moving on this so you need to know about it here we go blueprint can you picture the entrance the white area that's developed is in existence okay you walk in the entry room you pass by the what we call the event room we're gonna probably call it the multi room you keep going forward now you're in the auditorium upper right corner that's where you're sitting you are here all right now We have made a determination that the next thing that needs to take place is to move the student ministry out of the next building over to join us here, okay? We're gonna have them be in the front uh, when you first walk in. So imagine that... third set of doors, as you walk in, there's those green tall pillars, instead of uh, blank, where are the students? Well, they're in the next building, you see it says students, and then you round the corner, you see it says nursery, and you round the, and you see the next column say children. Now, everybody, the whole family is here, okay? There's a little bit of more about why, now notice that, as you go down the hall, we added a classroom and the elementary kids area that's new we're going to add two more classrooms so that we have three more classrooms available to us and the idea behind that is to consolidate on an evening to strategically reach families more effectively, so that we could offer uh, student ministry and children's ministry and child care at the same time while we have parenting classes, marriage classes, Financial Peace University as just examples of what we're going to offer to the parents of families so that they're more effective in their lives as well. And we think that'll help, uh, help all of that function in a, a better way. Now, we're also intending to add HVAC to the big multi-room. So that it is useful 12 months out of the year and that multi-room could be used for a lot of different things, hence we call it multi, okay? All right. Um, and we're because all of this new space, we're looking to add solar so that we can help pay for all that uh, climate stuff. And with the shift of the students coming up to this footprint, it expands our outreach uh, partnership with Manzanita as they begin to take over the area, the students, half that warehouse that the students occupied will now be free for Manzanita to expand their ministry. And they have been expanding and reaching uh, dramatically this community with a powerful impact. And so all those things can take place and we Shifting and moving. Notice the big white space next to students. Question mark. We have lots of discussion going on there. Not ready to reveal that to you yet. Okay? But the question is, how can we use our facility to most effectively reach Um, let me just read it specifically because that's the thing that to fully utilize current and future facilities as a tool that enables our outreach and discipleship okay so we're we got some ideas we're not ready to share those yet and we are over time let me just finish with this some of you are just like ruth ann children you don't have children in your life biologically she never did never married She had tons of children in her life by planting seeds in them. So I'm reminded of 2 Timothy 1.5 that says this. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I'm persuaded now lives in you also, Timothy. Three generations. Our church has had multiple four-generation families attending at the same time for years. A four-generation church, multiple. And um, that's a cool thing. We need to keep investing seeds. Let me just read a quote. We are an intergenerational church investing seeds. It can be done. A watermelon seed is able to reproduce itself 200,000 times. That tiny seed draws power from the earth to become a great green watermelon. In the same sense, God can use a single life, ruth Ann's, or yours, or mine, or a child's, to reproduce blessings for countless others. When Ruth Ann started, she had no idea her seeds would result in where we are now. And I have no idea where the seeds will result later. God has an idea, and he wants to bless this valley and bless the globe. Let's be a part of that blessing. Okay? Now... I have an action step for you that's a must-do. You heard this message? I want you to be a herd and go over to the children's ministry uh, displays. Today we have five tables, not one. And if the only thing you do is pick up one of these ministry brochures, do that. But take a look. Maybe you want to invest in some way to plant some seeds. That's up to you. But please take a brochure and join us in a massive prayer effort to reach the next generation. This will inform you and help you, okay? So I hope you're encouraged and glad you came. Um, Fill out a Connect card if you're new. We'd love to have you do that. Give it to somebody at the uh, information table, and we'll exchange it for a gift bag so that we can kind of exchange more Uh, ideas with you. If you are in a need for prayer, prayer team, would you go take your place in the prayer team area? They'd be happy to pray for you. If that's too intimidating for you, fill out this card, drop it in the giving box and we'll pray for you. Okay? And speaking of prayer, would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for the exciting things ahead of us. We thank you for the exciting things that were behind us, that we are building on the shoulders of other people's faith. Help us to be shoulders of faith that, will be firm foundations for the future. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us plant life-giving seeds into the lives of the next generation. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. See you next week for the conclusion of the series.